Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Brian and Charles. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen to it without having seen the the film, just be aware there might be spoilers. Enjoy. Why, hello there. Hello. How are you doing? I am all right. I am incredibly confused about what I'm seeing behind you on this screen right now. This this has come up before. Do you not remember who it is? I see a s'more on fire wearing sunglasses. Yeah, that's just the world right now. <laughs> no, it's the mascot of a baseball, a minor league baseball team called the Rocky Mountain Vibes, and his name is Toasty. And I brought it to your attention before because he looks like Guy Fieri. <laughs> I do not remember this at all, but he does look a bit like Ivieri, that's true. I think it was a long time ago, because I'm doing this thing now, whenever I, I only use Google Meet for this, I never use it for anything else, so when I um, when I open it up, it's always got like the, the background image that I've put on from the last thing, and of course that was um, a picture of, Bra- of Bram Stoker, not of Bram Stoker, from, of Bram Stoker's Dracula, of Gary Oldman as Dracula, they'd been there all throughout Halloween, and it's not Halloween anymore. So I couldn't have that. So I was just hastily searching through all the old images because it saves all the ones you've used before. And I just clicked on that one right before you joined. So there you go. Oh, You're lucky. You got toasty. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to have revisited it and refreshed my memory about him. Which is good because toasty season is coming. I don't mean toasty like a sandwich. I mean as in being toasty. Or maybe not because we can't afford to put the heating on. But... <laughs> being extremely cold <laughs> yeah. season is coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Winter is coming. That's the thing they that's say. A, isn't that's it? a that's a throne game. Yeah, that's my favourite throne game. <laughs> the one where winter comes. Yeah, the win- winter is coming, as they say. Um, yeah, I, I apologise in advance if there's a bit of coughing. I'm still not entirely over the the cold that put me out of action for a week. But hold on, yeah, your Halloween cold. Halloween cold. It's been two weeks since our last episode. Yeah. We haven't been able to fill November with more kind of non-Halloween stuff, which is good. We've got less time, but it's all right. We're making up for lost time. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, so this week, well, it was meant to be last week, but this week we are talking about a film, as we do every week. <laughs> That's what we do. Called, called Brian and Charles. Brian and Charles. And because we were supposed to record last week and didn't, I might have forgotten everything about the film. <laughs> so I apologise in advance if I go, oh yeah, that happened. Did you enjoy it? Can you remember if you enjoyed it? I can definitely remember that I really, really enjoyed this film. This, yeah, this is great. This is a very Paddy and Rob movie, I think. Yep. I was really, really glad that we watched this. And it's obviously a, a good palate cleanser after Halloween. But yeah, this this was a request. So thank you to Lizzie who requested this. We really appreciate it. Because I'd never heard of it either. Had you even heard of it? No, no. And so when it when it came up... We obviously only know mainstream films and we're not down with hip <laughs> indie films like this. We're losers who only know the, the most recent Marvel movie and that's it. We know um. Marvel, Marvel's God of War Ragnarok. Um, James <laughs> you Bond's... just made a video games reference. I did a video game joke. 
as a video game that isn't 2D because you know I only play 2D games <laughs> but I've started playing new games now as you know so that's something but new 2D games but, but 2D only oh yeah. uh, very briefly I've been playing Celeste a little bit have you reviews. finally it's good I'm enjoying it are you, are you still on the first stage no no I'm chapter three mm. of it so you're um, in the spooky hotel yes yeah which uh, is very good I'm enjoying it a lot um, I've had a couple more reviews come up so I've had to put it down but I've been enjoying it a lot what i played so far um but yes this is a really brian and charles is really our kind of film isn't it yes it came out this year it's romantic in a very very unconventional and quirky way i say it came out this year like that's a thing that we that matters to us which it doesn't in the slightest as we spend most of our time talking about films from 98 to 2000 which seems to be our <laughs> our era but no, this is a current a current film that came out this year and is really good Yes, yeah. So this is one where I'd heard the name and that's about as far as I'd got. And I'd heard some people saying, this this is good. When you told me the name, I was hoping it was going to be a film about Brian Blessed and Charles Dance having the most epic romance of the for the ages. And I'm, I'm disappointed it's not that, but it was so good no, that it made but up it is, for it. It does make up for it, doesn't it? Um, so this is a movie about a man in Wales who builds a robot and the robot works and is a genuine robot and they they have a lovely platonic friendship yeah and then you you make you say that like when you describe the concept don't you it sounds like a sci-fi film doesn't it as soon as you mention robots you're like oh it's it's sci-fi but it's actually it's one of the most realistic films i've ever seen in many ways isn't it it's it has an inherent realism at its core, whilst also being about a quite a zany concept, and it absolutely nails that, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels incredibly human, I think is the best way to describe it, where it's a really limited cast of very odd people plus robot, um, but it feels... It's one of the most human films I think I've ever seen, in fact. There's Despite being real... about a robot. <laughs> yeah um and yeah there's there's just something magical about it. it it reminded me a little bit of lars and the real girl yes in a way and the poster looks like that as well have you seen the poster yes yeah um it's 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 got a similar kind of thing about um uh, a sort of um outsider in a rural place uh finding their their emotional side again through a um through an inanimate object but of course here actually charles the robot is a very much a live thing that's no way to talk about garden state (laughs) no in garden state everyone was a robot as much as it's easy to confuse zach braff with an inanimate object (laughs) in that role (laughs) oh dear but this is a very British film, isn't it? It's in rural Wales, so there's there's it's Welsh, but it's it's essentially, I think, extremely British in its setup and it's the way it uses the the traditions of kind of British comedy and British storytelling. I think are in there in the stylistically, aren't there? Sort of the the way the way that Brian acts and the way that he sort of everyone British probably knows someone like Brian, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's every every hamlet every village every town has a brian 
don't they? I think. Yeah. That that gentle, quirky character. Your town either has a Brian or you are the Brian. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the thing, isn't it? It's always one or the other. It's like a naked window neighbour. You either have a naked window neighbour or you are <laughs> or the naked you, window neighbour. You neighbor. are the naked window neighbour. Um, yeah, no, every, every every town, every village has got a Brian. This sort of, um, yeah, incredibly gentle, bizarre human being. Um, and he's he's an inventor, essentially. So it's not just robots that he makes here. The, the initial scenes of this movie are very much around him showcasing other things that he's made and, and getting to know him and getting to know the relationships that he has with other people in, in the village. Um, and it's it's... It's really sweet. Um, have you ever seen District 9? Yes, I have. I recall seeing it when it first came out and really enjoying it, but I don't think I've seen it since. I think I saw it in the cinema, actually. Yeah, because this has got a similar sort of thing in terms of the mockumentary setup. So this movie isn't a film that's filmed in a traditional way, um, but instead it's about a there's a nondescript film crew following... Um, following brian around and it's never fully explained is it about why why this is going on no and it doesn't matter does it it does that thing that a lot of films do where they use that as a framing device and it's used quite a lot in the early part of the film and then when the story actually starts to get going it lets the story take over and that is very much the right thing to do because it would just be tedious otherwise because you'd be thinking why aren't the camera crew running after him or whatever yeah, and and it works well here because it allows Brian as a character to explain himself in a way that's not too heavily bogged down by exposition. Yeah. Where you get to see the inner workings of his life in quite a quick way. So that as a framing device I think works very well. And then, like you said, over time, um, that kind of dissolves into the background and you you, you don't really get get that there's only a couple of references in the latter half of the movie to this film crew um the the rest of it is just completely ignored and i think yeah they did a very good job of transitioning out of that kind of um that kind of framing device and my recollection is that district nine kind of did the same thing as well that's a very different absolutely that's that's why i was (laughs) that was my my awkward way of trying to get to that kind of point is that district nine did a similar kind of thing um where yeah it starts off very much as this kind of documentary style thing before shifting very much into something a little bit more traditional without even realizing it no, because then, then once the characters are established, you're away because they're so engaging and so brilliant. And it's done, it's so simple as well. I think yeah. the characterization is so good, but it's extremely simple. And it doesn't, it's not a very long film either. It's only probably 90 minutes, but it yeah. packs a lot of emotion into it through just really, really good characterization. So it starts and we see we see Brian and his, his voice, is, he's got a funny voice. Like, um, Have you listened to the Adam Buxton podcast ever? He's like the biggest podcast in the UK, isn't he? Probably one of the biggest stuff the, the, ever. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not sure what you're referring to with it, but I have listened to it. Often he often. does a voice for his dog. That sort of. Oh, I Adam oh yes. Dog. The... And Brian's voice <laughs> yeah. sounds a lot like Adam Buxton's dog. So that made me laugh as well. <laughs> yeah, from, I can from see the that. Off. But what's lovely about it is he's sort of he's showing them all his crazy inventions. One of which is an egg belt. That was the one that I wrote down. Like yeah. a belt for eggs and there's all of these things and he's showing them stuff that's like that's failures as well 
So he's immediately kind of opening himself up as a vulnerable figure without kind of pushing it too hard. And it's very, very much the... It sort of demonstrates immediately that you have to sort of suck at things before you get good, right? Which comes out through his inventions. And I think that's kind of a running theme through the film as well, where it's like you have to learn to get good at things before you can do good things. And you have to learn about things before you can fully you know fully engage with the good and it's i i thought the way that it showed that with him being an inventor was just so lovely and a really wait a really strong opening to the film yeah i completely agree i think it's got like you said it's got that real grounding in you know that this is a this is a human being who's being open about those vulnerabilities with these people and again it sets him up as this very um empathetic character almost where although it doesn't initially seem it he's actually got quite a lot of emotional intelligence for what's going on around him it's more that there's that hesitancy to fully open up to certain positions but he's he's very open about what's worked and what hasn't um which is really refreshing from from a movie like this where often it's like peeling back the layers um but but with with this film, I think one of the things that I think really worked about it was that actually that peeling back of the layers doesn't really happen in the way that you'd expect. He's not an onion. He's not Shrek. It's not Onion and Charles. <laughs> it's not Onion and Charles, no. <laughs> um, and instead, instead, you do have you know he is openly, immediately, you know, um, in platonic love with Charles. Yeah. As soon as as soon as the robot comes to life, there's none of that. Oh my god, what have I done? Or oh, I'm a bit worried about this. It's like an instant. This is brilliant. You're my friend, which I think is really nice as well. Yeah, there's, no, really there's not lovely. a bad bone in Brian as a character. No, none at all. But at the same time, he is still flawed enough to be a compelling character, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's flawed in different ways, so it's not it's not sort of like you could imagine um you could imagine a lesser take on this story. Um where where he's it's it's like a It's more like a, a Frankenstein type deal. Yeah, like a like a mumblecore Frankenstein where it's a moody, toxic male character who eventually comes round to love his sexy Frankenstein monster that he's made. Um Andrew Bajalski's Frankenstein. <laughs> that was good. Don't, don't, don't. We'll have to whisper that because we don't want anyone getting that bad idea. Yeah. Um, Napoleon Dynamite Frankenstein. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like there, there could have been one where it's like a, he's a, he's a quirky, moody man who's actually a dick. The, the Garden State Frankenstein film. <laughs> And then and, and, and then grows over time and instead it's about him learning to not be an arsehole. Which is what so many narratives are. I mean, just even generally, quite broad and a lot of the films we watch and things that we talk about, it's always about a man who's a dickhead learning to be a bit less of a dickhead. And this is the opposite of that, isn't it? Yeah. This this isn't I think the best movies about robots, and that's the correct pronunciation. Robot Gordon is your robots. name. The best movies about robots are the ones that dive into what it means to be human and what it means to have empathy. Yeah. And this is a movie that gets that and understands that. That's exactly what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. It's a movie about empathy. It's a movie about understanding. It's a movie about patience and care and love 
and oh it's such a nice film and that's why it's so human isn't it it's actually one of the most human films i've ever seen and it's about human yeah. relationships platonic relationships and love different forms of love as well he has a a romantic attachment with um hazel this woman who he's it's been sort of flirting with for a little bit and there's there's never it's not really pushed is it but it's sort of part of the narrative and especially towards the end they sort of team up and they have to rescue charles from the bad man who's stolen him and then the romance between them is kind of a lovely kind of subtle thing blossoming throughout the film as well so it, it manages to hit on different parts of romance while still just really being about human connection absolutely yeah and it does it in such a Nothing feels shoehorned in with this film, does it? It all feels very natural. Yeah. And that's because, you know, this this nothing is given undue prominence. And but what I mean by that is that it, it doesn't go too hard on the ha-ha, it's a rural comedy thing either. It doesn't go too hard on the ha-ha, he's a robot thing. It doesn't go too hard on the ha-ha, he's an inventor. It doesn't try too hard to be funny either. But it is funny, really, really funny in parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this isn't as much as I love hot fuzz. This is not hot yeah. fuzz in terms of joking about <laughs> lol rural Britain. Yeah, um, which is very very funny in its own way. But yeah, yeah, it comes and, and from it, a different place. I think it do, it doesn't try to do the what a rubbish robot made by a silly man. You yeah, know. Um, which it just, could easily do with the way that it's done. He's essentially like so from filming in filmmaking terms you have to suspend your disbelief a bit because it's like a mannequin's head on a cardboard box which is kind of <laughs> hilarious but at no point do you ever look at it and go that's not a robot do no you? no exactly exactly and they, they never fall into the trap of doing things like oh his arm's fallen off because he's a rubbish robot that kind of thing which again no. in a lesser movie you could see you could see happening michael bay's brian and charles where it's it, the 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 robot makes fart noises every so often because they eat cabbages, um, which is a running joke in the movie. Is that there's cabbages? They they eat a lot of cabbages. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to tell them to put the cabbage down quite yes, a lot. Yeah, put the cabbage down is something I've written down as a. <laughs> as I, a I wrote that down as well. <laughs> um, but but instead, yeah, it, it it never it never leads in leads leans into the easy comedy. And instead, a lot of the humour comes out of either sweet lines of dialogue or out of the general humour of the situation in a way where no one is ever the butt of the joke either. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. None of the comedy is cheap, but at the same time, it's not complex either. And that's a real, I think, a, a genius. It strikes that balance in a way that is genius. Yeah, and it's such a difficult balance to strike as well. Um you know it's it's so easy to go one way or the other with comedy but instead you've got this perfect balance of um you know there's some people who are like oh you can't joke about anything these days isn't there (laughs) yeah people who haven't can't say anything these these days if you say you're english you'll get thrown in jail To, to quote the famous Stuart Lee, yeah. Stuart Lee bit, but but there's lots of aging comedians who don't actually understand how humour works anymore, and they're trying to be edgy to try and get a little bit of humour out of the humour stone. Um, Which but is actually, just the most tedious thing imaginable. Yeah, and and and, and I mean, uh, as an idea, it's completely pointless because actually, when you look at comedy series like it's always sunny in philadelphia or bojack horseman there's an awful lot of humor to be found in that risque in those things that are right on the edge of what's acceptable 
that's not gone anywhere. You just have to do it in a far smarter way than you used to 30 years ago. Yeah. And they can't be asked because they've been able to just say any old shit for their entire lives and now they don't like that someone's saying them they can't. That's all there is to it. It's not complicated. That's all there is to it. And speaking of one of these examples, the old uh, the old Monty Python man. Oh, no. Um, he's, he's not been funny since the early 90s. So, I, I mean, I'm not get sure. Him. Uh, <laughs> when was the last Jonathan thing he did that Cheese. was... <laughs> Jonathan Cheese. <laughs> um, the last time he was funny was... Um, if you're being kind would be fierce creatures the lesser oh, version yeah. of a fish called wonder um that's the last time he was funny so i'm not sure why anyone would think of him as being an authority and what comedy is in the year of our lord 2022 anyway um but the other thing is of course that the entire idea that you can't find humor for adults without being mean to someone is a complete fabrication and brian and charles is one of these things that proves that exactly like or without being mean or without being edgy as you say without try without being offensive or crass or needlessly complex and sort of highfalutin either because this film is so lovely and i feel like i could show this to my three-year-old son and he would understand the humor of it like the the scene where they're dancing I think there's actually a couple of dance scenes, but there's one where um, Charles the robot sort of really works out what dancing is and understands why it's fun, and they're dancing together, and it sort of shows his robot feet shuffling around and him just sort of moving in a cardboard box and saying, "I am dancing, Brian. You know, we are having a good time." I can't remember what he says, but I was howling with laughter, like genuinely howling with laughter at that. Um, and that's as funny as anything that's edgy, that's complex, that's satirical, whatever. That is just very, very pure in the way that it's funny. And I think my three-year-old son would understand that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to comedy, comedy is versatile. And comedy comes in all sorts of different forms. And that's what's so frustrating about people saying, oh, you can't joke about anything these days. Like, well, you can but you can also find comedy in all sorts of different areas as well. And this is a perfect case of that is, you know, this is an incredibly funny movie without there being the usual kind of setup punchline humor behind it. But instead it's that kind of situational thing that will make you laugh an awful lot. I mean, that it's maybe not the key dance scene, but there's a later one where where Charles is just saying clever boy dance time as he dances <laughs> and literally just that this robot voice going clever boy dance time clever boy dance time his voice um, is perfect isn't is it? is so funny I am Charles um, Petrescu um and and I think you know I've got a few other examples here that I'll read out as well um the the scene where he chooses his own name is extremely funny yeah um just the 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 amount of emotional response you get out of a mannequin head in that scene is expertly done where um where brian is suggesting names to charles before he accepts charles and says charles petrescu as his name um it's it's so well done and so funny and like i said you get so much emotion out of it it's just brilliantly done yeah of brian being like oh wow my creation works to kind of immediately having to actually have a conversation with it and help it to start navigating the world and a few scenes later he's gone from wow my creation works to being a kind of exasperated parent figure which i also (laughs) very much identified with i was going to say there are some moments of 
parental imagery in this film. How did that resonate with you as a father? Extremely, extremely well. And that kind of thing could be done in a very ham-fisted way in this, isn't it? Oh, it's just like being a parent. Imagine if an unruly toddler did this, that kind of thing. You know, it, it could be very, very cheap, but it absolutely nailed that as well. And I don't know that it was necessarily intending to, but the way that Charles grows and starts to understand the world is is very very similar to to my experience of how my older son has been growing and it's it's down to a lot of the questions that Charles asks and the ways that he sort of asks Brian about understanding the world is exactly I've had so many similar conversations with my son especially in the last sort of 6 months um I wrote down one of them which I think was the most like that which is when Brian says to, he sorry Charles says to Brian they're just walking along and he says can birds do what they like and that's exactly the kind of weird question that my son is asking me all the time at the moment is he's trying to understand things the kind of thing where you're like i have no idea how to answer that question although i suppose the answer is just yes usually they just want a yes or no answer but like it's he often just kind of looks at things and goes what is that and it will be something that i'll have to explain to him like this morning i'd left that i'd we, we've been tidying up and i'd left my chess board out i haven't played chess in forever but he said what's that so i opened it up and showed him and spent like 10 minutes this morning teaching him how to play chess and then the next minute yeah he'll go and ask me some absurd question like can birds do what they like or yeah so <laughs> just like, yeah so it absolutely nailed that and it had and that emotional resonance that is a different form of love as well, isn't it? To mm. There's like the friendship mm. that they share as well, but there's kind of Brian as a caregiver to him is so lovely. And it doesn't try and sort of, it doesn't try and make any kind of debate about ethics of um, robots and creating life or whatever. It just uses that as a vehicle to display love in its many forms. Yeah, exactly. Once again, you could imagine Michael Bay's Brian and Charles... <laughs> Where after the the dramatic, um, explosive finale, where where Brian is left bloody and supposedly dying on the ground next to a giant fire, he goes, "You've been like a son to me, Charles, <laughs> Charles Petrescu." <laughs> Um, yeah. But instead, it touches on all of those elements, but it does it in, with such a such delicate fingers i suppose yeah where it 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 effortlessly shifts between the humor of a creator and their creation to that friendship to that um familial tie in and it's such also an the, expert way yeah and it's it's also the charles not understanding why he can't go out and like continuously doing things that you've asked him not to do explicitly, which is also what my son's doing right now. <laughs> if he doesn't want to do it, he's not going to do it. You tell him not to do it, he's going to keep doing it. And it's like I, I spend most of my days now just like wondering, at what age do they actually start listening to you when you tell them that something's dangerous or going to make them sick or whatever, and they still do it? Um, and like the exasperation that Brian had over that was completely true to life and that obviously that then becomes the the sort of plot driver isn't it it's like how can he keep him safe yeah yeah it's it's very much how how can i protect him from a world that may not understand him yeah um which which comes up quite a lot in 
in these kind of um, science fiction stories is is that kind of protection thing. There's um, there's an inverse of this in um, in Rick and Morty, aka the smartest oh, television go. show ever made. Richard you you need Mortimer. a really high IQ to enjoy a, a show where the main character just burps all the time and turns himself into a pickle. I'll tell you. Yeah, that's like highfalutin comedy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> it. I don't know what the it's joke is. It's far too complex. Far too complex. But there, there's it's an probably episode like really where... highly satirical. <laughs> there's an episode where the 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 young the young one, Mortimer, as we call him, Richard and Mortimer. Yeah. Richard and Mortimer. Um, <laughs> Um, Mortimer um, accidentally fathers a alien child and you kind of think that the way that it's going to go is going to be that how do I protect this baby uh, this baby alien from the outside world that might not understand it but instead it turns out that this alien race has a natural dis- disposition towards destruction so instead it's him trying to work out how to lie to his child to keep him inside to stop him from going out and taking over the world right. and they do it in a really it's quite a clever inversion of that kind of trope but it is something that 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 comes up i think at the end he decides he's going to become a literary fiction writer to inflict pain on the world in a different way um <laughs> that that's is genuine funny. that's genuinely the the outcome of the story um but um but but yeah it's um but that kind of trope is used quite a lot in these kind of stories. But I really like the way that they managed to tie it in in this way that didn't feel like it was a ham-fisted approach that had been done before. It really manages to feel fresh in the way that it does it. Yeah, it, it felt really fresh and really real. And I, I can't fault it for how it how it did that, honestly. And th- so the, the plot, such as it is, is it, Charles starts to learn more and more about the world and he wants to go out. Um, so Brian initially resists and starts sort of taking him around the town and hiding him in the van while he's doing handyman jobs, which are, is, must be his job. He's like a handyman guy. And eventually more and more people start to find out about him. And then the town bully comes and like essentially steals him. He, it's kind of like Charles goes off and then he ends up at this town bully's farm. Um, and he's like in his employment somehow. And then there's the thing that genuinely made me cry. Um, is that obviously Brian and Charles have kind of had this disagreement about it and Charles has gone off and then he goes to see him where he's in, in he's been taken by the bully and he just he leans in and says to Brian I want to go home Brian and that that made me cry I genuinely had a little cry yeah it's it's really emotional isn't it it didn't make me cry because as we know I'm a emotionless a husk, husk. Of a human, yeah human being Elon Husk um, they call you <laughs> that's what they call me I'm here to ruin your social media site with my lack of emotions but it is it is a really emotional scene um and again it sort of comes it's an unexpected place for it to come in as well is that sudden seriousness in the plot where you're like oh gosh no he's he's genuinely having a really bad time here and then you find out pretty soon afterwards that he's planning to burn him on the bonfire this sentient being yeah for no apparent reason no apart from the fact that he's a he's a bad man um, yeah, which and, should be too simplistic to work as a plot point, but it it totally works, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. It completely works, and it also ties into those kind of small town dynamics as well. If you do have that one guy who is the, if if you're not the bully in the village, then if if you can't recognise the bully in the village, then you are the bully in the village again. Yeah. Much like if you're the naked <laughs> window man. 
um, there are often these people that are these these overpowering figures which kind of bully their way through and do this kind of thing without any care for the other people in the area that they're in in the location that they're in and you know it, it does tie into that small town life in such a vibrant realistic way through this story about a robot whose tummy is a washing machine yeah <laughs> it's so well done who just wants to know about birds and wants to go to yeah. honolulu yeah just wants to go to honolulu and and find out about birds yeah and eventually he does that's the lovely and he does and that's the point where sort of from from a realism logic point of view it, it shouldn't work at all so they they save the townspeople rally around them and and tell the bully to go off and they say, and they save charles from the fire and then brian has a change of heart and decides that charles should go out and explore the world which is very very silly because if the bully man in the rural town decided to do that to him what's going to happen to him out in the big bite big wide world but it doesn't matter does it because within the emotional setup that the film has created it works as a payoff doesn't it yeah yeah it, it, it works completely fine though you don't you know maybe a few hours after you've watched the movie you think to yourself the moment that that the fbi finds out about charles they're putting him into a black site and tasering his robot balls to find out how he works um but but you're not thinking about that in the moment because within the logic of this movie it works absolutely fine that it has this payoff that he's able to go and see the world yeah and go go to honolulu and they the last scene that shows them sort of t- escorting him to the train station and him getting on the train as if it's all just normal and because of the way the film has built it up it is normal yes yeah yeah exactly you know within within the logic of brian and charles this is a a thing that happens it's 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 great it's great the way that it's done and Charles is going off to see the world so Brian can have a bit of time with his new lady friend. So everyone's a winner. Yeah, I, I you know, I'd, I'd love there to be a really horrible slapstick sequel, which is Charles's adventures in Honolulu. Yeah, of him surfing, like, surfing yeah. and yeah, all of that. Honolulu is uh, actually very touristy. Of all the places we went in Hawaii, I liked it the least. Okay. That's not to say it was bad, because everything in Hawaii is beautiful. But it felt more like a city that had been chucked onto the beach, whereas right, the other places yeah. like Maui and the Big Island we went to are completely different and volcanic, just like volcanic national park and stuff. So Honolulu is the touristy end, but it is still very nice. Sure, sure. Charles would love it. <laughs> he would love it. He would love it. All the cabbages he could eat. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a really sweet film, and that is nice. It, and it does just enough with the kind of robot stuff, doesn't it? As well, it's like Brian asking him to turn off his blue light at, at night so he can go to sleep, and he's like, "It doesn't turn off." L- little things <laughs> yeah. like that. The, where the it pulls su- out the sweet, quite simple comedy of it. Yeah, the superpowered dart throw that he does, where he turns around and says, "I'm king of the darts" or "Prince of the dartboard" or <laughs> whatever the line is. <laughs> um, there, there's those little moments like that that, that work really well. Um, even before we've met Charles, where Brian holds up that glowing orb and is like, well, his spleen is working. Um, it's like he's made of robot spleen. Um, how does this, you know, does this fit into the the Ex Machina cinematic universe, do you think? Well, that's your you favourite film, isn't it? <laughs> do you think this Ever. is going on at the same time as, as, as Ex Machina? 
Yeah, I think it's happening at precisely the same moment in time. Could there be a crossover movie? The Ex Machina, Brian and Charles Cinematic Universe. Brian and Charles Machina. (laughs) They meet up in Honolulu. (laughs) Hey, it could happen. I'd love to see that happen. I should rewatch Ex Machina. It's been a while since I since I saw it. I I did watch Men, the the other movie by um, Alex Garland. Oh yes, I haven't seen that. You want to talk about that at some point, don't you? It is odd, very odd, very good. Not suitable for this podcast in the slightest. It's got people, um, lots of people playing multiple parts, is it? Yeah, it's um, it's Rory Kinnear is every every man. That's right. Um, it's 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 very good, but yeah, definitely not suitable for this podcast. But yeah, I could imagine that Ava has escaped from the ex machina city that she's in at the end, and she she's decided she wants to visit Honolulu, and then she's at the beach, and <laughs> along, and along comes, comes Charles, Charles. <laughs> wearing Hello. a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I'd I'd pay good money to watch that crossover. I would love that. But yeah, I think it's a. Uh, it's it's such a nice take on the robot story, I think. It is, yeah. And the, this is the rural life thing towards two thirds of the way through when the rest of the townspeople start to realise that he's up to something. And they, they sort of are, are quite unpleasant, but you still feel for them as well, apart from the bully guy who is just a bully. But there's others like his his wife and his daughters who are involved as well. And they all give great performances as, you know, as, you know, just rural people wanting to sort of understand what's going on and to understand Brian, I think. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Is they're all, um, they all just want to understand, don't they? It's something that they've not come across before, but just apart from Eddie, the bully, they, they're they all quite open-minded, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, yeah, really good performances all round, I have to say. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. You can't fault any of them. Um, Nina Sesanya is in this film as the, the wife of the bully. She's brilliant. Um, She's always great. brilliant. Who who is brilliant in everything? You got to say is is amazing in everything. Um, Nathan I'm, Barley was obviously her most. <laughs> I mean iconic Nathan role Nathan the receptionist. Barley. Yeah. yeah, Nathan Barley's great. But yeah, no, everything she's ever in is fantastic. One of those people where you think to yourself, why why did they not have a far bigger career than they they could have had? Yeah, because it genuinely can't think of a disappointing performance for I think her. it's one of those things where she's just predominantly done TV instead of film but everything in TV yeah. that she's done has been really good yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. did you see his Dark Materials no I never got around to watching it I she heard good played, things um, played Will's mum in the first series and she okay. absolutely nailed it she was in the Brave New World TV series that I also never saw oh, I never saw that but I I loved that book, but I never got around to never got around to watching it. Um, but yeah, no, and and she's great in this. A very small role, but um, but really well done. Um, and um, but yeah, everyone in this movie just feels like a genuine human being that you'd meet. Yeah, absolutely, and that that's down to probably the central to and down to Brian more than anything else. He's played by David Earl, who. I think I hadn't really seen before this, and unfortunately a lot of his previous work is with Ricky Gervais, but we can't hold that against him, can we? <laughs> One thing I've noticed is that a lot of his characters are called Brian. Did you notice <laughs> oh, that? Oh, yeah. I had a look at it now. 
had a look through and a lot of his a lot of his characters are called Brian and stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, so he worked he worked with Richard Gervais in Derek and Afterlife. Um but also seems to have worked with um maybe it's to do with the wider um the wider Ricky Gervais the cinematic universe. Ricky Gervais cinematic universe was also in Cemetery Junction, which is a Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant venture. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe it's a, a wider a wider decision there. Um, but yeah, I'd not really not really seen him in anything before. Um, and they wrote it as well. Great. Him and the other guy, Chris Hayward, they wrote it together as well. Yeah, and it's. Um, it's based on they. They initially did a short film, didn't they? Yeah. Which I'd be really interested to to watch actually. Try and find that. Um, because I think that would be really interesting. And that again is the same same director, same writer, and um, and 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 stars as Brian and Charles. Um, one one interesting thing to note as well is that Jim Archer, who directed this, he did um, Big Boys. He directed Big Boys, um, which is the on film TV about this us. Film about us. Um, What's Big Boys? It's a it's a, a a TV show that was on Channel Four for streaming. That's apparently very very funny. All right. Um, starring um, Dylan Llewellyn from Derry Girls. I've still not watched that either. Oh, you need to watch Derry. So which good. I know everyone says is very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah, um, but yeah, big big boys is apparently very funny, and he he directed that as well. Um, so um, yeah, which is which is which is uh, I think interesting. So there's, there's lots of stuff for us to watch. Yeah, the list just gets longer. <laughs> it does. The problem is that there's lots of TV shows for us to watch, but obviously we don't have any talking outlets for those. No. Because I I'm never going to watch a TV show. I don't watch TV. It's all too long. I don't even own a TV. I don't do even pe- own a TV. Do people still say that? Do people still? I watch film. I watch films on a projector. That's how I do it. <laughs> I read the book. I I read the novelization of Brian and Charles. That's yep. how I got this information. And in. I read the book. I had it sent to me via Substack in um, different yeah a little bit each day. That's how people <laughs> do it now. That's how that's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah, you have to subscribe to Brian and Charles and pay a little fee. <laughs> uh, is it is it is everything returning back to the way that things used to be with novelizations being released episodically? Is that where Substack? Maybe. Going? Yeah, Charles Dickens would be on Substack now, wouldn't he? He would. Bleak House. Yep. Bleak Digital House, more like. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain is still not working. I am still unwell. Yeah, I'm might, sorry. You, you've gone been, through this. You've done. You've done well. You, if I if well. I sound a little bit less comprehensive than I normally am, <laughs> that's why my brain is still not at 100 percent yet. No, I, I think you've done very well. So, is there anything else you want to say about Brian or and or Charles? No, I mean the only thing I'd like to say is that I, I genuinely really loved this film. It's just yeah the 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 pacing is great as well it's a slow burn but it does exactly the right pacing for what it needs to do like i said there's so much empathy in this movie um which is always the 
the root of any story about robots um is is that question of what humanity is and this is a film that really gets to the root of that so well and in such a unique way so yeah really recommend this yeah i i completely agree i love this film it was a really really sweet film with so much heart and it was genuinely extremely funny as well and there's not much out there like it. It was a nice palate cleanser after Halloween, but I would recommend this to anyone, absolutely anyone. I think you could get something out of this and really enjoy it. So if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. Seek it out. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Any, This is a movie for anybody. Anybody can watch this and enjoy it. So please, please do. It's, uh, it's yeah, really good. Really People good. and robots alike. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, so have you got anything else you'd like to say? about? No, uh, I, I, I've covered it. So how, how are we going to rate it? Oh, how many cabbages are you going to eat? <laughs> I just thought, how does he eat cabbage? He doesn't even eat, he's a robot. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter, doesn't matter. I'm going to eat 18 cabbages of a possible 20. Maybe even 19. I could go, could I go as high as 19? Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll eat 19 cabbages of a possible 20. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna match you on that on nineteen. This movie is an absolute delight. It's hard um, to find any fault, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. It's uh, it's brilliant. Truly brilliant. Yeah. Um. So it's my choice next, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I think. Well, I've, I already told you offline. You, you have. Be, yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> going to say, what if, what if I told you it was about a really famous guy and he is white? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's. For, for our listeners benefit in case they've not seen the memes it's the elvis movie yeah we always keep calling it the elvis movie but she's called elvis <laughs> but you called- can't just say we're going to watch elvis because that could mean anything elvis was in a bunch of films yeah we could be watching blue hawaii or the various yeah. other films that he was in yeah blue hawaii green hawaii charles in hawaii <laughs> charles he was in, in that hawaii. one that should have been our segue into it, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I always realise when it's too late. <laughs> but yes, we're going to be watching Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which apparently is not great. Well, it's big and it's epic and it's on Amazon Prime. So I think it might be, to coin the term again, a shit piece. A shit piece, yep. And our I'm, favorite really word. Ex- I'm really excited to see what side of the shit piece it ends on because I know some people who've watched it and absolutely adored it for the nonsense. Oh, really? Yeah, and other people where they have not enjoyed the nonsense. Right, because that, that's the line, isn't it? That's the, that's what yeah, marks where a, is... shit piece, a shit piece from a piece of shit. It's yeah, where's, like... where's, where's the shit piece line in relation to Elvis? So, yeah, I'm very excited to find out exactly where it is. Me too. We are going to draw that line next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. The, the yeah, official shit piece. Shit piece a masterpiece of shit. Yeah, a masterpiece of shit. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, this is going to be... Um, you know, we are the, the official worldwide experts on the shit piece, so I think we should be able to give the authority about whether this is a shit piece or yeah, a piece absolutely. of shit. No, no one else can rule on that. Yeah, no one but us our, can, can decide. That's our job. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to watch it. Me too, me too. All right, well... Um, that's for next week but for now if you haven't seen Brian and Charles please go and watch it this has been Big Boys Don't Cry and thanks a lot for tuning in we really appreciate it you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod we're not verified and we're not paying for Twitter blue so <laughs> go get fuck that in yourself the bin. Elon Musk we're not giving you our fucking money <laughs> you will never have our $8 a month <laughs> um, 
But so yeah, we're still on Twitter until that site implodes at Big Boys Don't Pod. We're not on Mastodon or any of that nerd nonsense. We're just on Twitter. <laughs> you can um, you can email us. <laughs> Big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com. Um, we always love to hear from you. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's like a virtual tip jar. Give us enough coins and we might be able to build a robot someday. Yeah, but we'll have a third host, the robot host. Yeah. I would actually love that. That would be great. I mean, we've kind of got the supercomputer for Pod Durst. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the one that calculates the we, new metal scores. We, do we, we need, need one we need like a ship piece supercomputer to tell us whether it's a ship piece or not? If we can't decide, that's true. Maybe we do need. We need to come up with a proper formula for ship pieceness, don't we? Okay, let's see if we can build that in time for next week. Yeah, let's <laughs> see what we can do. All right, we'll be back next week to talk about Elvis. Alrighty, bye bye. He's why? I just can't stop saying it.